You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Well, welcome aboard to episode number 40 of Leaf Sky. Jim Taddy with you for the next 45 minutes or so. Thank you to PA announcer Mike Ross for that fine introduction. Before we get into the Leafs losing game five of their series with the Habs, let me tell you this. It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $5 into 200 That's 40 to 1 odds in any basketball game. All you have to do is pick any team that is still in the hunt for the trophy, and if that team wins you'll receive $200 in free credits that's right let's go over this again pick any team that is still in contention bet $5 and if that team wins you cash $200 in free credits all it takes to claim these 40 to 1 odds on the basketball team of your choice is placing a $5 bet on that team and the team wins of course don't forget DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball hockey and so much more all week long DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. This is the call to action. Use the promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $5 into $200 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you can claim $200 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, let's get into this. Coming up on the podcast today, Terry Koshan will be here from the Toronto Sun, and Dave McCarthy from NHL.com and SiriusXM NHL Radio Network with their analysis over the Leafs' loss in Game 5. Frankly, the Habs did what they had to do. They took the game to the Leafs, forced errors in the first half of the game. The Leafs fought back. You're likely aware of all this. Tied it, sent it to overtime, and then uh, the overtime lasted 59 seconds. Unforced error, 2 nothing break, and then it goes. I don't know that you need me to tell you a lot about this, but I think the conversations are pretty interesting. So let's dive in first. From the Toronto Sun, here is Terry Koshan. <laughs> All right, Terry. I mean, you know, it's an overtime loss. You could overanalyze a lot of things, but the bottom line is the 59 seconds of the overtime, the Leafs just didn't have it, did they? No. Uh, and that's, you know, Zach Bogosian going in deep, as we've seen him do a few times now in this series. And uh, Galchenyuk doing the instinct is right to, to uh, you know, make up for the absent or the, the hole that Bogosian leaves on the blue line when he, when he does uh, – um, get on the forecheck, I suppose, but, uh, you know, the, the no kind of a no look pass, I guess. And, and that's what does the leaves in and, uh, it's over. Um, you know, Jack Campbell hearted himself after for not stopping it. The best goalie in the world in the history of the game on his best night is going to stop that. So there's, there's no fault to Campbell there, but you know what, Jim, it's, it's interesting. I really thought that when the Leafs came back to tie the game, like they did in the third, I thought they were going to win it in overtime. I really yeah. did. The last 10 minutes of of the third, I think they had shot Montreal 7-3. Of course, they get the Muslim goal to tie it. Uh, they just had everything going for them, and I thought they really had Montreal on the ropes, but as it turned out, that didn't happen. 
Yeah, I just I didn't like it from the start. I thought they were searching. Campbell took the puck behind the net and, and yeah. gave it away, and that cost I think about twenty to twenty five seconds in their zone. And it just they just didn't seem to be uh, focused, which is an odd thing to say. I'm sure they were. They just didn't look like it. Um, and you know, I agree with you. I mean, the second half of that game was all Toronto. But but having said that, they didn't win the game. Uh, the series is three yeah. two. And in order for it to be four two, I think you're looking at probably the same start from Montreal. So you better do something about it. Yeah. It's uh, this is one of those curious things about pro sports that it's hard to get a handle on because for the, for the team that's not facing elimination, how do you possibly match the desperation that the other team has when they know that, you know, their season could die within a couple hours. You, you just don't have, because you, that, that can't happen to you. Right. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's a bit of a difference there. Now, having said that, it doesn't excuse the way the Leafs came out last night because they should have been better, period. Now, the weird thing about last night, Jim, is I don't think, even in the early going and when the Habs went up 3-0, I didn't see the Leafs as playing terrible hockey. I, it's, you know, and I guess I would include the Galchenyuk goal in this at the end, or the overtime goal in this at the end, but you'd have to go back quite a bit to find a game where, three egregious Leafs errors wound up in their net. And it doesn't happen very often with this club. They don't make those errors very often. It's just not what they've been doing. Um, you know, they had their chances around Carey Price. Price was good again, really good again. Yeah. So it wasn't, for me, it wasn't a thing where they were vastly outplayed. Um, but having said that, you know, it's the time of year where you can't make those mistakes. And I would think that we'll see a change in the lineup tomorrow night. Rasmus Sandin had two shifts after the Kotkin Nemi goal. Uh, one was for nine seconds. He had one shift in the third period, and that was it. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, we'll see where it goes. But overall, it, you know, I don't think Leaf Nation should be wringing their hands too much about this. It's a playoff hockey. You're not going to go 16-0. and 0. You're going to lose hockey games. Just because the Maple Leafs had a 3-1 lead last night doesn't mean that they had the right, um, you know, to go finish that off. They have to earn that. They didn't do it. I think they'll be better tomorrow night. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, just to circle back, uh, the Sandine errors were, uh, um, I don't know how to put this. The uh, the first one was something that, that if I, you know, if you're playing the Leafs, that's what you do. You try to hit him yeah. because that's, he's vulnerable to that. It's known around the league and you try it and it worked out. Uh, the third goal was just uh, regrettable. I felt really bad for him because he got yeah. stripped and it's in the net a second later. And that's just a, it's a damning play. Um, and as you say, he didn't play much after that. And, you know, this is a story that, that I think we've talked about many times before. I'm not a big fan of auditions in the playoffs. This is, you know, who's ever on the ice has to know what they're doing and, and be assured that it's going to be executed properly. So I, I would suggest to you that Dermott should have played last night and, uh, you know, hindsight is easy, but uh, I wouldn't be going back to Sandine anytime soon. I know you want to, uh, you know, bolster the kid and, and not be too hard on him, but, this is winner takes all here. There's no negotiation. You can't even open the door a crack mm-hmm. because you have to. You have, you, this is a team trying to learn how to close out a playoff series. Not the time for what they did last night. So a big lesson there, I think. Yeah, I think so. But I also think that Sandine had shown in the games that he played that he was capable. Um, he, he's going to be a vital part of the blue line going forward. But I'm with oh. you. They have to get the experience back in there. And, you know, it's a trickle-down effect uh, last night, Jim, because – on the ice in overtime, I think it was Muzzin and Bogosian. So do guys who don't necessarily play with each other very much, well, why is that happening? Because you don't trust the kid now, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think it was an error or by any stretch of imagination on Keith's part to put Sandine back in the lineup. Um, but I think it will be if he keeps him in tomorrow night. 
I'm with you. You need, you need that experience. Now you can't really screw around with these sorts of things. Um, Sandine's going to learn from this. There's no doubt about that. I, he's a smart hockey player. He's going to be a big piece of that blue line going forward, but you want to, um, I mean, you've given the Canadians life now to a degree. You, you don't want them to have any more now and then have a game seven back in Toronto on Monday, get Travis Thurman in there. Cause he looked fine in the game that he played in and yeah. he looked good all season. I thought, so get him in there and uh, don't overthink it. That's not overthinking it. Don't overcoach. That's not overcoaching. It's the right move. Put him back in and go from there. Well, and I always, I've, I've always said, said that I like the four out of seven playoff format in all sports because I think it's it's a true test. And part of the true test is uh, you could have a list of things that should happen, and generally they do happen at some point if the thing goes seven games. Uh, the one thing that hasn't happened for the Leafs so far, and, and I had a list of things that didn't happen for Montreal going into last night's game, and a lot of them happened. But the one thing that hasn't happened for the Leafs is consistent points production from the top line. Uh, th- this, you know, this is a, a, a sort of a, a dam waiting to burst here, in my opinion. Yeah, it is because they're not, they're they're not not getting chances. They're not, they don't not have possession. They're they're around the net, uh, and you're right on that. I, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, if you'd looked at it from the beginning of the series and said, okay, the Leafs are going to be at three two going into uh, Montreal for game six, regardless of how they got there, and your leading scorers among them be Nylander and Kerfoot. Um, You'd almost wonder, well, geez, are Matthews and Marner injured or something? But they're not, so I think that they're going to be fine. Um, but the fact of the matter is, they have to get what what they're doing and the the opportunities are are, are are good. But this is the time where now you find another gear if you're among the best players in the world, which both of them are, and you be the difference makers. Not that they're sitting back and saying, okay, well, William Nylander's had a hell of a series so far. He'll be the difference maker in Game Six. That'll be fine. That's not what's happening, but this is where you, uh, you know, you earn those big dollars that you're getting paid. I mean, listen, if somehow the Canadians come back and win the next two games and Marner and Matthews aren't a factor in either of the final next two games, what they did during the regular season will mean screw all just like it did for Connor McDavid and Edmonton won't mean a thing in the end. So they got to come here. They got to come here and earn it now. But again, I don't think they've been invisible, uh, but the production, like you say, has got to go to a next tier. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, it is, and that's part of the process of learning how to get through the first round, which is something that has haunted the franchise. But you know, I I maintain that what whatever they do Saturday night, if it's a positive, will go a long way into you know it doesn't get easier round by round. In fact, you yeah. know, Winnipeg is really Montreal plus, right? Yeah, they are. It's you know, you've got uh, the speed and the skill with Winnipeg. Obviously, they're deeper up front, and. Uh, I'd be curious to see how that goes, you know, provided the Leafs get there because it is, um, it's a bigger group. It's a deeper group, but uh, you know what, Jim, it's kind of funny. This is what I think we probably talked about. This is one of those seasons where you look back at the regular season and go, well, how much can you apply that in the playoffs? I think you can apply quite a bit of it. Just given the amount of people or sorry, the amount of games you played each team. Yeah. The Leafs and Jets were 10. Marner and Matthews led the Leafs in scoring in those games. Um, they were both very effective. So I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but I, I you know, I don't see that coming off a bit. If they do play Winnipeg, I think they will be effective, but they got to get through this first. And, um, you know, just like I say, just just find another level to, to, to solve price because they are around it. Hyman's done a good job on that line. Um, well, so, you know, it is there. It's just like you say, it's just knocking that next uh, domino over, if you will. 
Well, and, and you know, now we're we're deep in the series, and, and the price thing is, I mean, you can see the attempt at the five-hole, and the stats prove that he allows more five-hole goals than, than most, but he seems to have, except for on the Muzzin, slight adjustment on the shot. Yeah. Uh, he's, he seems to have closed the door, so just wondering at some point if you don't abandon the original game plan that way. Well, I, I just think it's a, a case of uh, just, you know, getting as much on him as you can. And you know what? I think the one curious thing that we found last night, Jim, is um, – you know, if you want, you, you know, the Hyman goal, try to get more like that. Of course, you're being in front of the net. You're it's uh, getting the nose dirty and all that sort of thing. But the, the two Hyman goals, uh, you know, we always talk about this. Put the puck on net, put the puck on net. Looks what happens. I mean, yeah. the seeing eye goal, price is screened by a couple of teammates in the first one. And then, you know, like you say, the the, the, the small little defection by Munson on the second to result in Galchenyuk putting the puck toward that area. Yeah do more of that and, and, and be heads up about it and that sort of thing. But uh, you know what? Again, I really believe that, uh, you know, if either of those plays that Sandine and really the, maybe the second one, because I think that he could have had a little bit more help from his goaltender there. I think Pierre Engvall was around the front of the net, I'm not mistaken, and wasn't, didn't do great on Kotkin Emmy. Those things don't happen. You and I are probably talking about how do the Leafs play against the Winnipeg Jets this morning. Well, true enough, true enough, and and the, the you know the, what leaves the mark there is it's a three nothing goal. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. So then, then then you've got to spend the rest of your night trying to get even, which they did, but yeah. but you know you, it's hard to assume any kind of uh, control position when you're down three nothing. You're just trying to push it to overtime, really. Yeah, and you know what they can. I, I you know I, I think what Keith said last night is important to remember. They have lots of confidence in themselves, and they should. They didn't. They didn't go away and wilt after the Canadians took that lead. They didn't let those mistakes get the better of them mentally. That's not what happened at all. Um, you know, and, and what happens in overtime happens in overtime. But the fact of the matter is they got it to that. And I'm not saying moral victories or anything like that, Jim. No. But um, this team did come back and tie the game. And and like I said, I thought going into the third, they were going to come out the victor uh, in overtime. It didn't happen. Well, look, I mean, in the first period alone, it's 2 nothing for the Habs. It could have easily been 3-2 for the Leafs. They had really good opportunities. They didn't score. Yeah. Uh, the Sandine errors will not be repeated because he likely won't play. So right. you could go back over the movie and, and recut it, and it comes out differently. But, you know, what you're left with is you have to win the next game. So yeah. that's where they were last night anyway. It, was, it is. And uh, you know what? It's, um, again, you get back to trying to match the desperation. But I, I just think it'll be a – a cleaner game for the Maple Leafs tomorrow night. We've seen in this group that the types of things that happened last night, A, don't happen often. And yeah. B, uh, when they do happen, it's there's not a continuation of it. So, you know, Sandine coming out will help. I mean, that's a, it's a harsh thing to say about the kid, but it, 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 uh, it would be true. I'll be quite surprised if Keith says later today that no, he's not coming out uh, and it will stay in. Um, but you know, again, if, if, if those things don't happen, we are talking about something different here. And, and, and you know, it wasn't said last night after the game, we'll be all right. Um, I think the belief in the dressing room with this Leafs team is different than it has been in the past because we've seen it in their play. And I think you'll see a, a different effort tomorrow night. Yeah, I would agree. Just a, a couple of other points. I mean, you know, I think we both had the Leafs winning in five. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have to say, after they lost the opener, I had no, no – uh, reason to believe they would win four straight games i never predict that in a playoff series so what happened last night was sort of a law of averages for me yeah it was and you you don't i mean listen after they lost game one and the, the manner in which they lost and losing their captain to what we looked like was a horrific uh, injury for john Tavares, and it's great that he's back on the ice within a week but you know 
after that, it's like, geez, what's going to happen now? No, yeah. one, no one's looking at that saying, well, the Leafs are going to win next three, the next three, including the back-to-back in Montreal, right? So there, yeah. and there's a lot of resolve and resiliency here. I, I found it interesting last night, Kerry Price, I think, after the game was saying, you know, one reason why the Canadians won last night was their resiliency. Um, well, that's true, but I think in the Leafs that exists as well. Or else yeah. they would have won three games in a row. So, listen, there's confidence there. Get back to the simple things i know we you know it's a cliche and you almost hate to say it but do those sorts of things their heads are on straight this is a group that has their heads on straight there's no doubt about that in my mind and like i say i just think that they'll be better off for it on saturday night yeah so just before i let you go one more piece of mild concern for me okay that jack, jack campbell took responsibility on a 2-0 uh, breakaway i mean i just yeah. i don't i don't see that as something that you want to do but that's that's who he is and you just hope there's no residual there well, that is who he is. And, you know, when he did do that during the regular season, he came back. He had one, what, three-game blip, I think, and everything that he did during the regular season where it didn't go well, and that was that. Now, three-game blip in the playoffs is something completely different. I don't I don't see that coming. But uh, put it this way, Campbell's going to Campbell, and that's what he said last night, Jim. That's the way he reacts to these sorts of things. Yeah. Like I said earlier, the best goalie in the world is not stopping that. So, yeah. I, and again, I don't think Campbell's going to carry that forward. He's not going to – I don't think he's going to be walking around all day Today, thinking I should have had that two and zero. That's why we lost the hockey game. And, and quite frankly, on the turnover, you knew it was in the net. You did, especially when it dawned on you quickly. By the time the two players hit center ice, who they were. Yeah, Zuki and Caulfield are the, the Canadians' two uh, most talented forwards. I don't think there's any argument there. And uh, you know, it was it would have been a minor miracle, well, a major miracle for that have not to have gone in. So yeah, it, it was as soon as it happened, you think, okay, well. How much time is left on the clock? We'll see you Saturday. Down the hall we go. Dave McCarthy joins us now from NHL.com, Sirius XM, NHL Radio Network. All right, Dave. Leafs losing overtime. Now a 3-2 series lead instead of a 4-1 series win. And the ominous Montreal 4-3 win on the scoreboard. 4-3. What's your take on all of what happened on Thursday night? Well, I think we did get a little bit of a, ahead of ourselves at times uh, leading into Game 5. Um, there was kind of a collective sentiment, at least among people that I had talked to, that it was already looking ahead to Winnipeg. And I was thinking, man, don't get carried away here because <laughs> as good as they looked through the first, well, I, I guess I'll say through Games 2 to, to 4, um you got to actually win the series and, and finishing a team off is not easy to do. And this iteration of this group has never done that before. Um, so until that happens, let's not get carried away and give Montreal a lot of credit. Uh, they certainly showed up uh, in the first period in game five. Uh, Josh Anderson said they were going to show up early on in game four. And a colleague of mine was joking. Uh, he said they were going to be hungry in game four. And a colleague of mine was joking that, well, I guess he meant hungry in terms of the Bell Center hot dogs because there was certainly no hunger on the ice in game four. But it was a much different Montreal uh, team in, in game five. And they dictated the, the tempo. They dictated the game. Um, and uh, the Leafs were receiving the game early on. Give them credit for fighting back. Um, but they let Montreal have some life, and um, the Habs took advantage. So, um, you know, I'm still confident if I'm a Leaf fan moving forward into to game six, Carey Price was unbelievable 
in that game. He made a great stop on Marner on the two-on-one with Hyman in the first. He made a great stop on Nylander with about 40 seconds left in the first. Now, if either of those two go in, maybe it's a different story. But the goalie's allowed to be good. He was. Montreal was opportunistic. Campbell didn't have his best game. number of things conspired against Toronto. But, you know, I agree with what Jake Muzzin said after the game. Uh, they have to have confidence that they'll be fine and just go out and, and dictate the tempo in Game 6 the way they did in Game 4. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, there's a lot of things there. Uh, certainly, they created their own scoring opportunities by causing, uh, raising havoc with certain Leafs, and that includes the overtime, too, where that was an unforced error, basically, that that uh, decides the game. Uh, but, I mean, you knew Montreal was going to throw everything at the Leafs. They had to. There's no option for them, and, and quite frankly, uh, they have no option on Saturday's game, and if there's a game Monday, they have no option there either. And, and at some point, the Leafs have to understand that and, and respond uh, accordingly. Uh, having said that, what you said was absolutely accurate. Uh, two nothing after the first could have easily been two two. Could have been easily been three two for the Leafs. There's a Simmons post there that that uh, mm-hmm. is a factor as well. And and the fact that they tied the game and sent it to overtime sort of speaks to the 60 minutes of regulation. There were some missteps along the way, but they corrected them. It goes to overtime where the unfortunate happens. And to me, I've, I've said this earlier in the podcast. They didn't look. I don't know how what the word is. I don't want to say focused because, of course, you're focused, but it just didn't seem set from the opening faceoff. Campbell turns the puck over, and then they go down, and there's that Pogosian pinch and Galchenyuk with the uh, the brain cramp pass. And I mean, it just it didn't work. That's all. Yeah, and Sandine, a couple of turnovers as well, which was uncharacteristic of him. He's been really good in the games that he's played, and, and quite possibly that might have been his worst nationally game of his career last night. Yeah. Um, and again, credit to Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who, who created the turnover on one of the goals there on a hard four check um, that he may not have been necessarily expecting or prepared for. And those are the little plays uh, within the course of a game at this time of year that really decide matters, right? And, and Montreal, they weren't doing that in game four. Uh, they weren't hard on pucks. They weren't hungry on pucks. They were not aggressive on the four check. Uh, but but that was not the case in Game 5. So a little play forces a turnover, and then uh, Kakinemi is able to walk in front and jam it in. Um, those are the little plays that, that make big differences. So um, that's it's another one of those learning steps, as Sheldon Keefe suggested as much. Well, another uh, lesson where you learn what it takes to finish a team off, and now it's incumbent on the Leafs are still in a good position to put that lesson to use and soon and make sure they get it done because at the end of the day, you can only learn so many lessons. You have to start applying them at some point. Um, I, I think the Leafs did by and large throughout the regular season in terms of the way they played, but another, uh, another opportunity to be a little bit better into game six, put it this way. I'd still much rather be in the position the Leafs are in heading into game six than Montreal at this point. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we can't underscore enough the, uh, the, the learning curve that's happening here for a team that's had so many first round disappointments to figure out, um, how to get to the next step. And, you know, the way this series played out, um, you know, three wins in a row, I don't think anybody would have predicted four wins in a row after losing the opener. Uh, so last night's loss was somewhat predictable in that it's just, a, you know, in a four seven uh, format, there's sort of things that happen because they're going to happen. 
and and that's how I would put that loss last night uh, for the Leafs was it was just Montreal answering back and and they they won. Uh, but the Leafs have to learn how to prevent that from happening. And and one of the ways to prevent that from happening moving forward would be to have a little more experience in the blue line. Now, I don't want to harp on Sandine. I know that he's a long-term project and will be a good defenseman long-term. But the way he plays now, the way you would go at him is to run him. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, when he broke into the league, Abdelkader in Detroit ran him and they, they sent him back to the minors. I mean, that's that's the calling card in this guy. He's got to learn how to either get out of the way or move that puck faster. And, and now is not the time to learn that. No, this is not the time of year to be learning those lessons. I remember that play, too, against Detroit. And I remember Mike Babcock saying later that night, um, I got to protect the guy. I can't put him in a position um, to, to, to be, you know, I don't know if the injured was the word that he used, but, but overmatched. Um, and I think that was the right call. And I think he's learned uh, lessons to that regard to an extent. I mean, you remember the play a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I forget who it was against, uh, to be honest, but uh, he did the old Peter Forsberg reverse check where he had the puck and he was going to get hit. And then he stood up on the guy and he knocked the guy flat on his face. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's capable of doing it. Um, but it's, it's, you know, learning when, when the pressure is going to come, uh, when you need to be strong on the puck, when to expect that you're going to have to be strong on the puck. And, uh, you know, he, he made a mistake last night, but on the other hand, uh, earlier in the series, he made a, a positive impact with his play on the power play, uh, which went a long way in helping the Leafs win a game earlier in the series. So, you know, there's good uh, to take away from Sandine as well. And now it's on the coach to, to determine, uh, whether or not uh, a lineup change might be in order. And maybe uh, it would be worthwhile to put Travis Dermott back in, um, a guy that maybe has a little bit more experience. I thought he acquitted himself quite nicely in game four. Didn't think he looked out of place at all. Um, maybe maybe that's the, the, the route that you decide to go down uh, for game six, take away a little bit of, you know, I guess a higher ceiling potential in terms of offense with a little bit more reliability on the back end, which – you know, safe is death, they say, but at this time of the year, I, I generally say safe is life because you can't, you can't get in too much trouble when you're playing a safe game if, uh, if you don't create mistakes and then you just wait for opportunities uh, to capitalize. And, and I think that's what the Leafs did a really good job of in games three and four, where uh, in the first period, nothing really happened, and that's okay. And I think, you know, that's a win at this time of the year. Don't make something happen for the other team uh, by running around the ice or trying passes like Yachenyuk did in overtime uh, or getting bodied off the puck, uh, live to fight another shift and, and take advantage when the opportunity shows up. They did that real well in games three and four, and they just need to get back to that in game six. Yeah, you know, and again, you know, you, you try to re-edit the game that was played, uh, and you can't do that. But, uh, you know, for for whatever mistakes were made, uh, they were answered back because the Leafs came back and tied. The Sandine issue is is interesting uh, because he's a young kid with, with upside that we all agree is going to be a really good defenseman going forward and has a, a, a role on the Leafs' power play, which is you can't underscore that enough because the Leafs' power play um, is, is better but still needs a lot of work. So he's needed that way. It's an interesting dilemma for them um you know you know that that overtime play though i mean as soon as galchenyuk turned and and fired the puck i don't know about you but i just went oh no i mean you just knew that was in the net no 100 percent. i mean it's one thing to give up a breakaway let alone a two on O in overtime and that was just that that's an example of what i just talked about 
where, you know, sometimes you're going to go a number of shifts in a row, maybe an entire period where you get out there and nothing's there to be taken. Nothing happens. And that's okay. That's a win because you're not making something happen for the other team. But there Galchenyuk tried to force something that just wasn't there instead of making the safe play by tucking it in the corner and, and getting off the ice. Like there was a play in game four in the third period. I think it was about five minutes in uh, that, that really stood out to me as, as an example of the Leafs understanding how to manage the game uh, when, they're in a, when they're in a good position. Simmons carried the puck into the offensive zone. He pulled up at the half boards about the hash marks on the left side. And he had a decision to make. He could either peel back toward the point and, and get pursued and maybe uh, find an outlet um, or something like that. But more likely, he would get uh, pursued from behind, run into trouble, lose the puck, and it would be an odd man rush back the other way. What did he do? He tucked it in the corner and they got off the ice. And uh, they lived to fight another day and they steered that game home. I thought that yeah. shift, I don't know if you remember specifically, but I was just like, man, that, that is winning hockey right there. Because, okay, there's no play to be made. Um, we're we're up, uh, up a goal. We don't need to score the next one. We need to make sure we don't give up the next one. And it was a really safe play. And I, I thought that was, that was tremendous. So, you know, Galchenyuk made the wrong play in overtime yesterday, and it, uh, it hurt them. But, um, you know, like I say, uh, still in a pretty good position going into game six. Yeah, I mean, it's all about uh, wait for the moment. Don't try to create it especially in overtime when the next shot wins. So, you know, very interesting that way. And so as we go on to game six, I know there's this uh, sort of cloud where people will say, you know, here we go again. But I, uh, this, the Leafs team is, is better than Montreal. There's no question in my mind that yeah. way. And, and they will prevail. I don't have any worries about that. How about you? The big boys need to show up, eh, Jim? Like well, I, thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was going to be a game last night where, where Matthews and Marner were going to take over. And I thought Matthews was pretty good through games two, three, and four. Um, I, 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 that line didn't really command the game last night, though. Um, Marner included. And I think Marner's a guy that uh, really has yet to exhibit his, his presence on this series really at any point uh, so far. So uh, the fact that the Leafs have gotten to this point um, really without a dynamic – like he's been okay – um, but let's be honest, we haven't seen the Mitch Marner that we've seen a lot of times during the regular year yet in this series. So the fact that they're in the position they're in, uh, getting contributions from you know the second line with Kerfoot, um, Galchenyuk, and Nylander, who were really good those two games in Montreal, uh, and that was what we've spent a lot of time on your show talking about, Jim, when you've had me on earlier on in the year, was that, okay, Matthews and Marner are going to get it done. Uh, what's going to happen with that second line, whether it be Tavares, whoever it is, Nylander, we were kind of concerned about them through the first two-thirds of the year. Well, now without Tavares, without Foligno, that, that makeshift second line, has you can't ask for more than what you got out of them so far this series. Uh, Jason Spetz has two goals in this series. He probably could have four or five, to be quite honest. Yeah. He had a breakaway against uh, Price. I think he hit the post one time. Um, he's been really good. So you, you, you've got contributions from down the lineup. Um, game six is a game where I, you know, I look at Matthews, I look at Marner and I say, okay, boys, now it's time to exert your dominance on this series. You are the best two players on the ice. Um, go out, uh, at, at the drop of the puck, right off the opening face off and, uh, let the, uh, the 2,500 folks who are in the bell center know that in game six. And if you do, uh, the Leafs should be in, in pretty good position. 
Well, and that's a key point. So you're looking for game six. Uh, as as the Habs and Corey Perry tried to wipe out Sandine on the first goal very early in the hockey game, you're looking for a, something that sets the tone, uh, mm-hmm. both sides to the coin. What would set the tone for Montreal would be same kind of physical play or a key stop from Carey Price. But what set the tone for the Leafs would be a Matthews or Marner goal early in the game. Yeah, because that would let everybody know, okay, these guys are here to play. And like I said, not that they've been bad by any stretch. I think Matthews was really, really good earlier on in, uh, in the series. But I just haven't seen that level of, 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 of dynamicness, if that's a word, uh, from those two guys. And it's understandable because Montreal's primary focus right now is to keep those guys under control. Because the best chance Montreal has to win is to keep those guys under control and and take your chances with the rest of the lineup and, and make them try to beat you. Uh, and I think that's the right approach for Montreal because if Matthews and Marner ever get rolling, it's curtains for this team, for Montreal. They have no hope. Um, but like I say, when you're the best two players on the ice, uh, you got to find a way to fight through and you got to find a way at this time of the year to um, exert your dominance on the game. And um, I don't think it's too much to ask to have one game out of a six or seven game series where you look back and you say, well, you know what, tonight was the Matthews and Marner show. Um, and I think it's it's high time for them to step up and, and decide to get it done. Well, look, I mean, scoring opportunities for, for the both last night. Uh, Marner was three on the net and two that didn't get there. And Matthews was two on the net and two that didn't get there. So that adds up to nine opportunities. Nine would have been a Matthews performance by himself in a regular game. Uh, and so their, their opportunities are cut in half. Uh, but, but I agree with you. I mean, uh, when I look at a four out of seven format, what I like about it is, is that everything should happen eventually. Uh, that's how I would explain how Montreal played the first half of that game last night. Eventually they should do that. And they did yeah. eventually what should happen for the Leafs is that Marner and Matthews get on the board, both of them in the same game. Why would that be an impossibility? It shouldn't be, right? Because we really haven't had an example of the two of them uh, dancing at any point yet this series. Um, you know, I know Matt, uh, Marner had a couple of opportunities. He had that two-on-one with Hyman. Price made a great save. But he, he hasn't controlled the game the way he has in the regular season. I've found a lot of times he has the puck. Um, and I can come up with a couple of examples in my mind this series where he's kind of skated himself out of danger by being indecisive. Um, and not making a quick play. And, and that, to me, is a little bit um, concerning, isn't the word, but just a difference in his play. A lot of the time in the regular year, he'd have the puck, and he'd skate himself into a dangerous situation. I found him, so, I found him at times uh, having the puck in the slot. He gets Price out of position, and instead of making a quick play, he hangs onto it like another second or two, and then by that time, the chances pass by, either... Uh, the pressure is caught up or Price able to get back in position um, and he's not nearly as dangerous anymore. So I don't know what that is, um, what, what's leading to that, but I have every uh, confidence that at some point we're going to see the Marner that we've seen for the majority of this regular season. Like I say, why not game six? Yeah, and it's not like you can adjust the line. I mean, Hyman on the other side is, I mean, that's the perfect line. I, it just has to find its own way. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's going to happen. You know, Hyman's been, been pretty good too, but I think it's fair to say um, he hasn't had quite the impact uh, that he had prior to the knee injury. Like, I think he's just working his way back in a little bit. You kind of get out of your groove. Uh, yeah. You miss three weeks. 
uh, suddenly come back. The pace is a lot higher than when you left off. Uh, I think he's improved as the series has gone on uh, as well. I thought last night was his best game, which was uh, which was encouraging to see. Um, but you know, wait till wait till that line really feels it uh, like they did for much of this regular season. I think it's coming. I think it's coming. Um, and when it does, uh, that's going to be good news for Toronto. So the way I would look at this, with all due respect, everybody is the Leafs lose game one. They win the next three. Two of them are on back-to-back games on consecutive nights. And so if they, if you were to tell me that in the, the game following that three-game run, they would be not tentative but not fully engaged at the start, I would say, well, yeah, that's going to happen. That's that's the nature of the beast. And is Montreal going to empty the tank and take advantage? Well, yeah, that's that's the nature of the beast. Uh, and also the nature of the beast is that in game six, the Leafs respond. Yeah, I fully expect them to have a first period uh, in the game on, on Saturday. Quite honestly, the likes of which that we haven't seen yet in this series. A lot of the first periods, like game one, obviously, was a complete write-off. Um, the, the next three games, I thought the first period was just kind of meh. Nothing happened. And I, like yeah. I said, that, that's okay. That's fine. But, and then the Leafs would take over the game in the second period. But I think it would go a long way if Toronto set the tone themselves early. And, um, you know, as, as Ilya Brizgalov said uh, a number of years ago in the Olympics, if you recall, oh, they came out of the cages like gorillas. You remember that semifinal uh, back, I think it was in 2010. That's, that's what I expect to see from the Leafs. Like, just played downhill in the first period in Game 6. Uh, you knew Montreal was going to come with a push in Game 5. Um, but, why? you know, Toronto understands that now. And now it's, it's okay. Let's not sit back and let Montreal on home ice kind of uh, get themselves into this game and start feeling good about themselves, just crush their will early. Um, and uh, and I, I expect to see that type of a response from Toronto in game six. Well, look, over the three wins, there's a real pattern. I called the first period a reconnaissance mission where you're trying to figure out what the other guys are doing, and then you adjust. And, and clearly the second period in the wins was, was magnificent for the Leafs, and the third period was, was hang on, although that's not a really good description because I don't know if they hung on, especially uh, in game four. I mean, they were outshot badly in, in games three and four in the third period, but I don't know that there were uh, glorious opportunities by the Habs. Uh, I, I agree. think they were they were under control there, but, but that, that temp of see what's happening in the first period, exploit it in the second, and just uh, do a maintenance third period. That worked for three games. It's not going to work every night. No, that's. I was surprised, quite honestly, that uh, they were able to steer it home the way they did through three games, as almost um, identically as they did. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. That's that's how it played out. But honestly, to hell with the reconnaissance mission. Don't worry about what the other team is doing in the first period. Make the other team worry about what you're doing in the first yeah. period because the Leafs have that level of talent and uh, ability. And if they decide that that's how it's going to go in the first period, Montreal doesn't have an answer uh, to that from a, a skill set standpoint. Make them worry about what you're doing um, and, and realize that, that you're far superior if you're the Maple Leafs in terms of talent and ability. If you do that, then you're not going to have to worry. Okay, let's do it. Just This is an ad-lib, totally ad-libbed. Yes guy, no guy. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, those listening on wired or wireless earbuds, here we go with yes guy, no guy. Off the top of my head, I have nothing written down. Yes guy, no guy, you are concerned about the Leafs in game six. Uh, no guy. No, I'm not concerned. I think the Leafs have shown time and time again this regular season that when a lesson is there to be learned, they learn it. 
uh, and they apply it relatively quickly. There were very few dips in their play uh, throughout the regular season. I thought they played a much more uh, winning brand of hockey. We've seen that winning brand of hockey in this playoff series in games two, three, and four. I totally agree with what you said a moment ago, how they managed the game in the third period. Even though they were outshot, never felt like the game was uh, in question. I thought uh, I thought, quite honestly, they managed the game and steered it home with efficiency. Yeah. Um, so those are those are lessons learned, um, and and they got another one in Game Five, and I have no doubt that they're going to uh, apply it quickly in Game Six. So no guy. Yes, guy, no guy. Number two, Rasmus Sandin does not play another game in this series, but comes back in a starring role in a future series. Ooh, yes, guy. Yes, guy, because I think it would be the appropriate decision to put Dermot back in. Um, you don't want a young guy going into uh, a game at this time of the year with so much pressure, um, sort of squeezing the stick and feeling bad about himself. And if I if I was Sheldon Keefe, I would go to him and say, look, I'm not taking you out because I'm mad at you. Um, I just don't want to put you in a position now um, where it could be a compounded situation where if you were to make another mistake, then you're going to be even feeling worse about yourself and then it starts to erode at who you are. We've got a lot of confidence in you. We're going to need you down the road here in this playoff run, uh, but we're going to go to a guy uh, that has the experience right now um, and deserves the opportunity uh, and he's going to play his role just as you did early in the series when you helped us on the power play and contributed to, to a win. Um, so that's how I'd frame it if I'm Sheldon Keefe. Uh, make it a win from the player's standpoint um, and, and make it a win from the team standpoint. Uh, make it like all the players are tools, right? Sometimes I need the wrench. Sometimes I need the flathead screwdriver. And, uh, you know, in game six, I need this tool. You were the tool I needed earlier in the series. Uh, but at some point, to build the uh, to build the house, so to speak, I'm going to need all the tools. Um, and that's that's just sort of how it's going to go. But it's not because yeah. the tool is broken. And, and, and maybe work with him on his thought process to make him come to the decision faster. When you see a Corey Perry train coming at you, try and chip it off the boards on the inside right. as opposed, you know, along the wall as opposed to bringing it. See, all these plays are, if you if you move the puck into the, into the open ice, the odds are somebody's going to take it from the opposite team and drive it towards the goal, which, I mean, really, if you look at the Galchenyuk pass and what Sandin did on the first goal, the puck yep. goes into the open ice. Not a good move. You got to keep it on the boards. Hundred percent at this time of year, uh, the glass is your friend, as it always is. The Leafs yeah. are the Leafs. A part of their success is their zone exits. How they're able to do centerized zone exits. I was talking to um, uh, a current National Hockey League player, former Maple Leaf, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, who was pointing out to me that uh, that's a reason why Toronto is so efficient and can generate so effectively is that they're able to exit the, the, the zone through through the middle of the ice. Um, and at times, that's the right play. And at times, it makes them a really dangerous team. But there are also other times where you need to realize that risk is not worth the reward at this point and make the safer play. And in, in both those examples, I mean, the Galchenyuk, not an example of a zone exit, but the Sandin situation, uh, for sure, rather than worrying about getting into the middle of the ice to get out of the zone with speed, realize, look, okay, there's a guy coming down on me here. Uh, we're not in real good support from a, a real good shape from a support situation. 
off the glass and out and live to fight another day. And uh, more experience, you show him the video, he'll recognize that. He's too smart of a player uh, not to pick up on that the more he, uh, the more experience that he gained. Okay, the final yes guy, no guy for this particular podcast with this particular guest. Jack Campbell taking ownership of the overtime goal scares the heck out of you. Hmm. Yes, guy. Yeah. See, I didn't. I didn't necessarily like that um, because it was a two-on-zero, man. Like, you I know. Were not, you were not the issue here. Um, and and what I liked earlier on in the series, I think it was after the. I think it was after game one. Uh, one of the goals that he allowed, where he kind of got off his angle a little bit, um, and, and Montreal shot it in. And the question after. I don't even. I didn't even recognize who the question was. It was kind of a leading question. Like one of the issues on these uh, Zoom calls, they let everybody ask questions, and a lot of the time, it's like if it's in person, there's the hope in heck that this guy would be in the business in the in the building to ask questions. So it was kind of a leading question. I didn't like the question. It was like the guy was from town. Like I don't know who the hell the guy was, but it was like, oh yeah, did you get off your angle? Or did you kind of lose your net? Did you not really like your game? And, and Campbell's answer was, nope, felt good tonight. And I'm like, yes, love that. Because that yeah. was that was like Connor Hellebuck. That was Jordan Bennington from a few years ago. No, no, don't let don't get in my cage here and start uh, getting me to, to try to admit doubt in myself. Like, no, it was not. It was a, it was a goal that went in the net. Eh, whatever. We, we move on. So I didn't like that he was trying to own that, that overtime winner. Um, because it was a two-on-oh. He was not the issue. So I need... I'd like to see defiant Jack Campbell back a little bit because when he gets a little bit of that screw you mentality, I think he's an even better goalie. Um, he's too good, and he doesn't need to take, uh, not even take ownership, but beat himself, uh, beat himself up over uh, goals like that. I don't like that headspace. I don't like that mindset um, because if he really believes that, uh, I don't think that's the best way to go into a game. Last minute of play in this podcast. And there is the time warning from Mike Ross, our PA announcer. Time now for the Yes Guy, No Guy Awards. And some of this is fairly point blank. Rasmus Sandin, no, no, no guy. No, don't do that guy. Pressure by Corey Perry, okay. The strip by Cock and the Emmy, oh, no guy. Didn't see much ice after that, so don't know where they go. Thinking Travis Dermott will play game six. And uh, Rasmus Sandin will have to think about his decision-making. So, no guy, Rasmus Sandin. Overtime, two-on-O. Galchenyuk, pass into open ice. An emphatic, how loud can I say this? No guy. Do not do this. No guy. Muzzin, two goals to tie the game at three. Yes, guy. That was impressive. And the Leafs' resiliency. You can go over the history lesson. We all know it's there. Round one stumbles. Leafs' resiliency, better team, Yes, Guy. Leafs will win this series. Hope you enjoyed episode 40 of Leafs, Guy. Hope you come back next week for episode 41.